So this past week, as I was preparing this message, I looked into some of the stats on unreached people around the world, otherwise known as those who have yet to have the opportunity to hear the gospel. And as I did so, I found that there are approximately 3.4 billion people, or just over 42% of the world, that has never heard the gospel. And then bringing it closer to home, I found that Canada actually has the highest percentage of unreached people of any nation in North and South America at 7.4%, the next closest being the USA at 4.2% of the population. The total number of unreached people in Canada alone stands at approximately 2,849,000. With the exception of the USA, that is more than three times the rest of the countries in North and South America combined. Now, why am I bringing up these statistics? Well, because we need to recognize that there is much work to be done. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The issue of the unreached is not merely a far-off problem reserved for those serving overseas, but an incredibly pressing issue that sits right at our doorstep, and we have a collective responsibility to make intentional efforts to spread the good news of our risen Savior. And I know that even as I say that, many, even as I say that there are many that feel uncomfortable even thinking about the idea of sharing their faith with a stranger, with a friend, or even with a family member. But church... This is part of the responsibility of a believer, and luckily, we have the word to show us how to do it. So this morning, as we dive into the fourth key element of the life of a believer, evangelism and missions, let's turn our Bibles back to 1 Peter chapter 2, 11 to 25. Let's read together. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called before, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. One of the first questions we should be asking ourselves as we read through this passage is, do our lives align with a transformed life through Christ? When we come to Christ, we begin a process of discipleship that leads to a transformed life where we've put away our old way of life and replaced it with a new life in Christ. 
one where our every thought, action, and word is led by the Spirit of God, and we live with repentant hearts. Now, this type of life is one where others, whether they're believers or not, can tell that you are a follower of Christ by the way that you live. As we make our way into evangelism and missions, we need to recognize that if our lives don't align with the scriptures that we believe, then more often than not, our words will fall on deaf ears. But if our lives do align, then even those who accuse you of doing wrong will see your good deeds and glorify God. And as our lives display the light of Christ, these conversations of faith become more receptive. And as they do, we need to be prepared for the questions to come. And as it says in 1 Peter 3, 8 to 18, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteousness, or the righteous for the unrighteous, to, give, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. He begins with these basic instructions for living and responding to evil, but then he gets to verse 15 where he notes, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. This is where we need to reflect and ask ourselves if we really do have an answer for why we believe what we believe. And we should be asking ourselves these three questions. What is the gospel? Can I explain it simply? Number two, what do you believe? Or why do you believe? And number three, what is your testimony? These are three simple but very important things to know, not just for the ones gifted with evangelism or apostleship or pastoring, but for all who believe. This is an instruction for all believers, and we all need to be prepared. So when I happen to be having a conversation with an unbeliever about my faith, I can tell them that the gospel is the good news that, you know, God had a redemption plan since the beginning, you know, to reconcile the broken relationship with man and him that was caused by sin and reconciled through his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who came to earth as a baby, lived a sinless life, was crucified on the cross to die for our sins and rose three days later, overcoming the power of sin and death and providing a way for us to be reconciled to God through the forgiveness of our sins and have freedom in him where we will have eternal life with him. I believe because as I've read the word of God, as I've studied it, it has proven to be true time and time again, both through historical manuscripts and other documents that have been verified through scientific evidence and because God has shown up in my life and carried me through every trial, success, and task that I have had to overcome. He has shown me grace and forgiveness when I didn't deserve it. 
He has given me peace in times of chaos, and he's healed me from physical, mental, and emotional afflictions. He has reconciled relationships in my life, has shown me the right path to walk down time and time again, and has provided me with exactly what I need. I know why I believe. I know why I believe the scriptures to be true. Church, can you articulate your beliefs if someone were to ask you about them? Could you share your faith? Could you literally off the top of your head remember what the gospel is? Can you remember why you started to believe what you believe? Many of the people in this room, I know you grew up in church from the time that you were a child. And for many of us who grew up in the church like that, it is very easy to fall into this apathetic state where we kind of go through the motions. We kind of forget why we're doing what we're doing. We kind of lose a little bit of that passion. And for those of us that are in that spot, whether we grew up in the church or not, we need to go back to that time when we really started to take our faith seriously, when we really made it our own and remember why we made that decision. Remember, you know, the freedom that we experienced when we made that decision. You know, that life transformation that happened because of the fact that Jesus is in our life and he is speaking into our lives and he is directing it. He provided that for us and he can provide it for every single person that you come across on the streets out there. Your coworkers, your friends, your family, it doesn't matter who it is. They are able to come to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's remember why we came to Christ. Let's remember why we, you know, experienced that incredible love and, you know, just the fact that he has shown up for us time and time again. And let's share that with people. Let's share our testimony because testimonies are powerful. They are incredible ways to go out and to share our faith with other people. Do you know why you believe? Do you know how to articulate the gospel? Are you prepared to give an answer when people ask those tough questions? Have you been in the word? Look, that may even scare you a bit, you know, to have those conversations and that's okay. But we just need to continually remind ourselves of the fact that it is not by our own strength, it is not by our own wisdom or knowledge that we do this, but it is by the Holy Spirit who is with us. And this is not dependent on us alone. I'm really happy about that because I could not do it. But we simply need to be obedient. We see this with the redemption of Peter who denies Jesus three times, you know, and He's at his lowest point in his life, and then this redemption happens. And then 50 days after he denies Jesus, all of a sudden he is preaching to crowds, and 3,000 people are added to the church. Why? It wasn't because of Peter. It wasn't because of him at all. But it was because of the fact that the Holy Spirit empowered him to do so. It enabled him to do what he needed to do, and he was simply somebody who was a vessel to be used by God. He was a mouthpiece. And he just said, yes, we need to be obedient to the call of God on our lives. We have to stop relying on ourselves and pointing out every little thing that we think disqualifies us and recognize the fact that none of us are actually qualified, but we go out with the Holy Spirit who absolutely is. We need to get uncomfortable. We need to have a little bit of faith and we need to respond yes to the Holy Spirit when he says go. This is the thing. We like to be comfortable. Everyone likes to be comfortable. It's the middle of winter right now. We love to be inside, you know, cuddle up under those blankets, you know, sit by the fire, read a nice book, you know, binge something on Netflix, whatever. You know, we enjoy being comfortable. 
But man, when we are really living our faith, when we are really actually like understanding it to its core, we are getting out there. We are getting uncomfortable. We are doing things that we don't want to do because we understand that it is worth the cost that it takes. It is worth the sacrifice that it takes sometimes. That is why we do what we do. That is why we go out. That is why we share our faith because it is worth it. It is so worth it. And there are eternal consequences at play here. And we want everyone to experience that freedom. We want everyone to experience that joy in Christ that we have. We want to go out and we want to be that light in our communities. We want to go out and we want to share our faith. You might not be comfortable preaching to 3,000 people. Probably like 99% of the people in this room would absolutely never do that. You know, if you're not comfortable speaking to a stranger, you know, then, well, talk to your neighbor. If you can't do that yet, talk to an unbelieving friend or even a family member. But you got to start somewhere. We can't just leave it up to, you know, somebody else to do that. We're like, okay, they got it handled. You know, that's their gifting. This is mine. I got my other things that I do. But no, this is for everybody. We all have our circles of influence. We all have the people in our lives that we have these connections with that, you know, we actually have relationships. We've all been placed in areas where we're going to be able to reach those people that nobody else is. And so start with those people. Start wherever you're at. And go from there. Just let it be someone. Don't, let, don't miss out on a beautiful holy exchange that can happen when we choose to say yes in obedience to each and every one of our calls to go out and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. We even have a biblical model that we see in Acts 17, 22 to 23, where it says, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see in every way that you are religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. Notice here how the first thing that Paul mentions actually isn't sin. You know, a lot of times we see like street preachers when we think of evangelism and stuff, they're out there, they're yelling, and they're like, okay, you're going to go, you're going to burn in hell, and it's really encouraging, you know, but everyone's just coming to Christ out there. Probably not. <laughs> but the first thing that Paul mentions here is not sin. You know, many tend to do that, and we tend to push people away immediately because of it. And let me be clear, it's important to get there eventually, you know, in these faith conversations, we'll get there. But look how Paul says, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Right away, he connects with something that is relevant to their current beliefs and way of living to open up this dialogue and then gets into sharing the gospel. Later on in that passage, Paul fully shares the good news and it says, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Even here, we see that these conversations, they won't always be easy, but they are so incredibly worth it for those whose hearts the Holy Spirit has softened to receive that message. Now, of course, I couldn't talk about missions and evangelism without bringing up the Great Commission that we find in Matthew 28, 16 to 20. So let's read that together. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. 
and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is probably the most famous passage pertaining to missions and evangelism. The thing that we must understand about it is that this command, it is not just for those gifted with evangelism. It is not just for those gifted with apostleship, but rather it is a command for all believers. We share this responsibility to go out and to participate in the redemption story that began at the fall and concludes at the return of Jesus. We carry that together. My friend, if you miss out on that, you miss out on these beautiful moments of redemption and freedom as we welcome prodigal sons and daughters back home. And throughout the book of Acts, we see how the apostles began to fulfill this great commission. First, through Acts chapter 1 through 7, we see that Jerusalem is evangelized. And then through Acts 8 to 12, you know, we see that the Spirit expands the church through Judea and Samaria. And finally, through Acts chapter 13 to 28, the gospel reaches into the ends of the earth. You know, in this church here, at Freedom, we have some people that have done incredible jobs at evangelizing, at sharing their faith, about talking you know, to their neighbors about you know, their faith, about the gospel, and just being very intentional about making a point of going out and doing that. And I you know, commend you who have done that. And you know, even this past Christmas Eve service, as I was speaking up here, you know, I could hear some people talking you know, through it, which honestly, at this point, it doesn't really distract me you know, anymore. But after the service, I was actually informed that this unbelieving family that had come in was having the entire service translated to them. And honestly, I could not love that any more than I already do. Like, and that happens because people are willing to be obedient to what God has called them to do. They are crossing barriers. They are breaking down these walls. And it starts with these small steps of obedience. It's not just a big thing all at once. Literally, just little by little, just keep saying yes. Keep being obedient to the call of God on your life. Literally, just ask God, put a name on my heart that I can go and I can start praying for them. Open up conversations that I can have with my neighbor that I have never talked to since I moved in. Help me to learn their name. Go from there. Invite someone over for dinner. Like, it is as simple as that. It is starting with just these little steps of obedience. And that is where we begin. And that is where some people in this church have done a fantastic job at and others of us can definitely grow in. And so I would encourage you, just start praying about that. Start thinking about those people in your lives, whether they're friends, whether they're coworkers, maybe they're family members that are unbelievers. Who are those people in your life that you can reach out to? Who are those people that you're gonna go and have that conversation with for the first time and maybe it might scare you to death? But hey, being obedient comes at a cost. And for us here, usually the cost is just comfortability. Usually the cost is just a fear of rejection, a fear of people's opinion. So we're actually not asked to give up too much here. And so I would encourage you guys, pray, ask for boldness. We might not be the best at it, but we get better by doing a little bit every single day. And then day by day, we get better and better. And then we go a step further, and we look out you know, beyond our church, we look beyond our community, and we look into the urban core of Canada, Toronto. And so my friend, he's been working down there for, gosh, maybe a couple of decades. He's been down there for a long time, and he's been doing urban missions there. 
And so I called him up and I was like, hey, can I get your perspective on some of this stuff that you've been doing down there and how you do ministry, you know, here within Canada? And it's kind of like urban missions there. And so, you know, we talked about a bunch of different things and, uh, you know, it actually really inspired me, um, just the faith that he has. And so one of those things was, he told me, he's like, being a neighbor allows us to disrupt people's ideas of evangelicals, <laughs> which is kind of weird if you hear that at first gla- glance, and you're not really sure, like, what is even an evangelical? Okay, well, we're Pentecostals. We're also considered, you know, evangelicals, you know, like our faith and everything. And sometimes that can come with a bad connotation. Even like the word Christian comes with a bad connotation sometimes, depending on people's experiences. And so he was talking about how when we are a neighbor to people and we actually begin to form these relationships and actually begin to have these conversations about real life, you know, not in a weird way where we're just like, hey, have you heard about my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? But no, like actually just sitting down and getting to know them and then having these faith conversations, it actually begins to break down those preconceived notions about who we are, right? And then we start to have those conversations and they're like, oh, you're actually not as bad as I thought you were. Because you actually get to know somebody, right? How many times do we have this like preconceived idea of who somebody is, and then we actually get to know them? And we're like, oh, they're actually a pretty cool person. You know, we actually want to be friends with them, right? And by being a neighbor to the people around us, we're actually able to start breaking down those barriers. And so, you know, this one person that he met, you know, was part of the 2S LGBTQIA plus community, and you know, they have a preconceived notion of, you know, what a pastor is, right? You know, they've been hurt by the church before. And so they started to have these conversations. And, you know, the first thing that they talked about, it wasn't the fact that he was a pastor or anything. It was literally just like, hey, let's talk about life. And then, of course, eventually that comes up because you get to know somebody and you're like, hey, yeah, this is what I do. And they're like, I'm sorry, what? Like, (laughs) right? And they're like, oh, you're actually not who I thought you would be, right? Like, I did not expect that at all. And the other part of this was like the power of presence. You know, they may not be actually interested in church, but they're probably actually interested in Christ. Because those are two different things. And sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we push people away in the church. And sometimes that causes hurt. And so when we actually bring Christ to people, when we're actually people who live out what the Bible really tells us to do, And that can break down those barriers that we can start to have conversations with people who would never step foot in a church. We can invite people all we want, which is great. Please do that. Continue to do that. Start doing that. But some people aren't going to want to come into these church doors. And we can sit down around a dinner table and have church there. Have those conversations. Get to know people. And ultimately, the Holy Spirit will work on them. And that's the thing. It's It's not on us. We put a lot of weight on our shoulders sometimes with this, and we put this huge burden on us. But really, this is the Holy Spirit that is breaking down these barriers. This is the Holy Spirit that is actually working on their hearts and their minds and softening them to Christ. Another thing he said, he's like, I've learned to let go of loving people for an outcome. You know, you don't want to make the relationship transactional. So when we do this, when we evangelize, when we go and bring the gospel to people, it isn't a project. It is not a project at all. These are people. We cannot make these relationships transactional. We're like, oh, got another one. Oh, got another one. No, like we should actually genuinely want these relationships with these people and be genuine about it. Just be real with people. Because ultimately, it's not going to be healthy otherwise. 
So just love people as Christ loved them. Love people as Christ loved you. One of the cool things that came out of, you know, his work there, you know, a whole ton of things. I don't have time to go through all of them. But, you know, there's this one person that he met, and it was actually an inmate. And after having a whole bunch of conversations and getting to know them and the relationship was built, he actually ended up baptizing this inmate. God can do incredible things when we're actually willing to say yes. First it starts with a small little step and then it grows from there. But just say yes. And then we go to the ends of the earth and this is kind of like my background. This is what I'm passionate about, right, is missions and I absolutely love it. And so if you've been here for any amount of time, you do know that I've been um, in Ethiopia, you know, I lived there for six months back in 2019, went back last year for a few weeks as well. Um, so I absolutely have a heart for them. And part of what I did there was I would teach seminars. I would teach classes as well for our uh, Bible college that was in Addis for leaders around the country who wouldn't be able to get in. And then leaders around the country would also request uh, training on various topics um, you know, that they wanted training on. And so usually it's with like next gen stuff. And so I would create curriculum, I would fly out, I would meet a translator, then we'd travel around and we would meet with leaders. And uh, we would do these seminars. And so we're up north, we're about seven hours north of the capital. And we're driving through this one tiny little town. It's really just like a drive through town, but the, there's this church in there. And this area is actually known for heavy persecution. And so it is a heavily um, Islamic-dominated area. And so the churches there were being persecuted. The pastor, you know, has so many stories of how it was difficult for him. They wouldn't even let him buy a home or anything like that. You know, physical persecution, um, a whole bunch of things that are just kind of at play here. And so we get there. You know, I check into our 15-burr-a-night hotel, which is about two bucks, <laughs> you know, nights, and, uh, you know, put all my bags in there, getting ready. And uh, later that night after our... Um, session, I get back, and it's about midnight, can't sleep, and somebody starts banging on my door, and I'm like, oh, I'm not answering that. <laughs> I was like, I'm the only foreigner here, and uh, I stick out like a sore thumb, so <laughs> I don't think that's a friend of mine, personally, so <laughs> I'm not going to answer that, um, and keeps trying to open the door, jiggling the handle, it's like 10 minutes trying to like, you know, hit the door, you know, open the handle, and I'm like, mm-mm, Nope. <laughs> I don't think you're coming for any advice or anything. You know? um, and so the next morning, I go down to breakfast, and you know, there's this little cafe in the bottom of the hotel. And you know, I'm sitting there, and I'm with my translator. And I'm like, hey, man, like, this happened uh, last night. And he's like, oh, yeah, it was probably the guy that was following us yesterday. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> um, yeah, that's something that I need to know, man. Like, <laughs> like, like, yeah, 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 like, it's fine. You know, you just follow this to the church. You know, I got some of the other leaders to watch our bags. Like, it's fine. And uh, I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. Great, great. And so at that point, like just as we were finishing up that conversation, this man walks in and he's got like traditional Islamic uh, clothing on and everything. And he comes in and he stops and he looks at me. And he's like, are you a believer? <laughs> and I'm like, what's on the other end of this question? <laughs> and so I'm just like, I pause for a second. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm a believer. He's like, and he doesn't say anything else. I'm like, fantastic. This is great. This is awesome. <laughs> and so then he sits down uh, at our table. And so the pastor of the church uh, that is up there, he begins talking with this man. And I have no idea what they're saying. <laughs> and uh, so I'm just kind of like waiting for them to finish so I can ask. And so after I asked the pastor, I'm like, hey, like, what's kind of going on there? Like, you know, what's up? And he's like, yeah, like that man that came in and he was talking to me. 
a while back, like a couple years ago, that man, um, his son, he was sick, he was dying. You know, he was trying everything. He was bringing it to the doctors. Uh, they couldn't figure it out. You know, he was praying, um, you know, all the time and just like nothing was happening. And so I asked him if I could pray for his son. And he's like, he was desperate. And he's just like, all right, fine. And so this pastor, he ends up praying over this man's son and he ends up getting healed. And ever since that moment, you know, he's just had so much respect in that community. You know, nobody has touched him really. And that church has been there for decades, still going strong. And here's the thing, like, it might not always look like that. It might not always look like these big leaps of faith where you're in situations like that. But sometimes it's just asking if you can pray for somebody. Sometimes it's just saying, hey, God, like you have called me to a specific place for a specific time. I don't know any of the other details, but can you just give me the courage and the faith to actually do that? Because he will show you the way. He will give you the right words that you need to do. He will show you the right path that you need to take. He will connect you with the right people that you need to connect with, and he will close every door that he needs to close and open every one that he needs to open, as long as you're being led by the Spirit. But we gotta have faith. And I know that sometimes that's hard. I know that sometimes that's hard when we don't know, you know what's gonna happen next. We don't know how people are gonna react. We don't know, you know what's on the other end of this calling then it wouldn't be faith, would it? And sometimes we gotta take that leap. Worship team, I'm gonna call you guys back up. And so I would encourage everyone here today, just begin to, begin to remember why you believe what you believe. Begin to remember why you love Jesus so much, why he means so much in your life. Begin to think about, you know, just the incredible impact that coming to Christ had on you and how much of an incredible impact that can have on your coworkers, on your friends, on your families, the incredible life transformation that's going to happen. Think about the fact that it's not about you. Think about the fact that it is the Holy Spirit at work and we just need to say yes. We just need to be obedient to the call that has been placed on every single one of us, and that is part of our faith. And so I pray for boldness today. I pray that we will be willing to just say, yes, Lord, here I am. Please send me. That we would do it with excitement because we know what our faith means. That we would do it because we understand the incredible good news that we would do it because we understand the incredible freedom that has happened, that is only possible because of Jesus. That we would do it because we serve a God that is above any other. That we would do it because we serve a God who is love and who cares about every single one of his children. We do it because we want to build up his kingdom. That we don't want to make it about ourselves, that we don't want to build up our own kingdoms, that we, it would literally just be about him. It would be to glorify him, that he would be honored with every single thing that we do because we are so in step with the spirit, because we would be asking him every step of the way, God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? Lord, I don't know what to say. Can you just give me the words right now? Please show me. Please tell me what to do. I don't know. I'm hopeless sometimes. Please show me the way. So Lord, just be with us. 
walk with us, guide us. Help us to have a deeper faith. One where we truly understand the gravity of the situation here. We understand what it means to come to faith. We understand the eternal consequences. The fact that we're able to spend eternity in heaven and we have a choice that is available to everyone if they so choose. One that will transform lives for the better. One that will change everything about us. One that will save us from the power of sin and death and set us free. Lord, convict our hearts. Lord, convict our minds. Tell us where we need to go. Tell us what we need to say. Tell us who we need to talk to. Father, guide us. Father, lead us. Praise you, God. Amen.